I believe the Lord is touching tonight. I wish you would lift your hands to him and for the next 15 seconds just bless him with the words of your mouth from your heart. I love you, Jesus. With my whole heart, I give you thanks tonight. I bless you. I bless you. Thus will I bless thee. I will praise you with my whole heart while I am yet living. For no dead thing ever offered praise to God, but I will bless you while I'm living. Oh, can somebody living bless him tonight? In fact, everything that has breath ought to take a minute right here to praise the Lord. I don't care if you believe in this kind of church service or not. If you got breath, everything that has breath, I release you right now just to open your mouth and praise God. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is worthy. Come on, somebody offer up a praise that breaks Rome free. Something's happening in this city. There's a sound being released. And we praise you for it tonight, God. Thank you for letting us be in the middle of the move. Oh, God, we praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's remain standing for just a moment. Can we thank God for worshipers and musicians that do it well? Come on. And I don't mean that as just a little courtesy. I mean, can we really thank God for worship leaders and musicians that do it well? Thank you, Father. Wow. Uh, stay standing. I, I, I relaunched the church about 19 years ago. I can assure you that in six months we didn't have none of this. It's a true story. In six months, I was still trying to find out who I was and what I was doing. I was 22 years old. <laughs> I just turned 40, and your, your pastor just had a birthday, I understand. How old? 30, Jesus. 38 years old. How many love your pastor and first lady? Let me tell you a story. I'm going to Philippians chapter 1. While you take your Bible stand and go there, let me tell you a story while you're turning to Philippians chapter 1. This past year in January, it was late. It was a Friday night. It was midnight. I was turning in for the night. It was the coldest night of the year. I was getting ready to go to bed. All my kids were at their cousin's house, so me and Devin had the whole house to ourselves. Praise God. And about midnight, my doorbell rang. I remember going to get my gun, going to the door. Because, you know, at midnight, somebody ringing your doorbell. How many know that sounds like problems? Amen. And I looked through the window, and there was a young lady at my door. She had snot and, sorry, phlegm just frozen to her face, no shoes on her feet. Her toes were frostbitten. She was so cold, it was nine degrees that night. She was so cold she couldn't even speak. She was so frozen. We brought her into our house. I looked at her sitting in my living room, and it occurred to me I went to middle school with this young lady. Actually, I went to the first two years of high school with her. And as she sat in my living room and we fed her chicken noodle soup and gave her hot tea and wrapped her in blankets, I watched her body and her heart begin to thaw. 
She sat there looking at me and said, I have made a wreck of my life. I've wasted my life. And God couldn't love me anymore. And I looked at her. I said, Kelly, I know God loves you. Because you could have walked to any house in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But at midnight, on this coldest night of the year, you walked to the house of someone you went to high school with. And I let you in this house. And I want to tell somebody in this room tonight, the fact that God brought you to this house is an indication that he ain't through with your life yet. The fact that God brought you to this house is a reminder of how much he loves you. You could have been anywhere on Sunday night in Rome, but you're in this house because God loves you and he has a plan for your life. How many believe the best is yet to come for you? You personally. And your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Come on, talk to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. The best is yet to come for you. In Jesus' name. Can we celebrate that? Can we thank God for what he's doing on the sixth anniversary? Six months. Like, this is crazy. Like, I had to pinch myself when I walked in. I was jealous. I was like, six months? It took me like five years to get here. Look what the Lord has done. Shane, Amanda, it's good to see you, friends, and we love you both dearly. Thank you for coming to celebrate with I think it's wonderful that you guys celebrate one another because there's far too much competition in the body of Christ. Come on, we don't compete. We complete one another. I didn't get no help on that. I said we don't compete. We complete one another. And I just want to say, I honor your pastors. They are just tremendous leaders. And you don't do this without favor and God's blessing and hard work. And you're, I'm just telling you, your best is still yet to come. And you're just scratching the surface of the depth of the goodness of God. And I just want to come into agreement with every prayer you prayed. How many have been praying these last 21 days? I want to come into agreement with you and tell you that everything you prayed is too small. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above, beyond all you could ask or, oh, come on in here tonight, somebody. It's bigger. So keep praying, but know that he's going to blow your mind. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 1 with me tonight. I bring greetings from Chattanooga Redemption to the Nations family. We just celebrate and honor highly all that God is doing here. And we're thankful that God has allowed us to be some small part of what he's doing in Pastor Chase, Pastor Sarah, and Eva, and Joy, and Clara. Oh, don't they have such a beautiful family? One more time, tell God, thank God for your pastors. Come on, tell them. Let me, let me help you understand something. If you'll walk in a high level of honor, God will keep blessing your life and this house. I can say this kind of stuff in somebody else's house. I don't teach like this when I'm at my house because it'd just be weird. But when God sends you a ministry gift, honor them. Because to the level you honor what God sent you, it shows heaven you can be trusted with more. I need like five people to appoint themselves as the amen person for the whole service tonight. Like if something decent is said, just I'm, amen, pray, amen, that's me, praise God. Walk in a high level of honor. Honor your man and woman of God. 
God could have put him anywhere on the planet, but he sent him here. Thank God for it. Amen. How many know Rome need what's happening in this room? I said Rome needs what's happening in this room. Okay. I'm going into the word, so I do honor you. I come with honor. We sowed into this work because we're, we believe in honor, and we'll keep believing in it and sowing into it because we believe what's happening in you. I didn't just come tonight with a sermon like I don't know who y'all are. I want you to know before many people in this room came into this room, I saw this man and woman of God and the purpose of God on the inside of them. That's why we got behind it and said, we're going to be a part of what Legacy's doing because I can't afford to hear about it. I want to be a part of it. I want to partner with it. I want to see what God is going. And do you understand that the harvest you're reaping now, we get a portion of that on our account in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Look at somebody, tell them, neighbor, be a partner. Be a partner. Okay, okay, here we go. Philippians chapter 1. Like Elizabeth Taylor told her eighth husband, I won't keep you long. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, when you got it, say amen. Uh, let's just go up and read verse 1. We'll read the whole thing. It's good. Good context here. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Somebody say Philippi. With the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Look at verse 6. Here it is. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it, finish it, get the job done, all the way up until the day of Jesus Christ. He, I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Come on, I'm a neighbor person. I'm a neighbor preacher. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. It has begun. It has begun. How many are glad that it has begun? And here's the news I got for you. When God ever begins a thing, he finishes it all the way up until the day Jesus returns. So I came tonight to preach on two levels. I came to encourage you individually, and I came to encourage you corporately. You need to know that the word God gave me tonight is for you personally, and it is for you corporately as a church. And whatever God has started, whatever God has launched, whatever God has begun, God will complete it all the way up until the day of Jesus Christ. How many believe that's good news? I'm going to tell you why that's good news tonight. That's what I want to preach about. It has begun. Would you pray for me and I'll stretch my hand toward you and pray for you. Father, I thank you for these mighty men and women of God. They are the saints at Rome. They are the saints here at Legacy Church. This is the ecclesia, the called out ones, those you have redeemed with your precious blood, not with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with your precious blood, Lord Jesus, you have brought them out of darkness into your marvelous light. And according to 1 Peter, we ought to show forth the praises of that God who did that for us, who broke the yoke and set us free. So I thank you for the 
increase in the sound of redemption coming from this building and thus from this city. And we declare it will continue to grow, continue to swell. What you have begun, you will finish it. God, we thank you. And I bless your people tonight in Jesus' name. And one more time, everybody who loves Jesus, give him a shout of praise and say amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I am confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to finish it and complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. The, the church here at Philippi is an amazing story. It's an amazing story of an amazing birth. Every church that has ever uh, been put in the earth by God was birthed in the spirit. Churches don't just decide. Now, I know some people do this. Some people decide, well, we're going to go plant a church. But I really believe churches that shake regions and touch nations are churches that God breathes on by his spirit and raises up and births by the spirit of God for a peculiar and particular purpose in the earth. And if you want to understand who Paul is talking to here, he is talking specifically to the church at Philippi. Everyone say Philippi. This church did not drop down out of the sky. This church was not church in a box. This church was not hatched in some corner by somebody who had some unique strategy. This church was birthed because Paul was obedient to the voice of God. In fact, in the Bible, in the book of Acts, the 15th chapter, Paul was on his way to Asia. He, in fact, wanted to go to Asia really bad to preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible said that the precious Holy Spirit forbid Paul from going to Asia. You can find this all in Acts chapter 15. And one night, while Paul is wanting to go in one direction, he has a vision in the night of a man from Macedonia. And the man from Macedonia came to Paul in a night vision and said, Hey, Paul, quit trying to go to Asia. This is the Wallace Unauthorized Translation. Quit trying to go to Asia. Come over here to Macedonia and help us. Isn't it amazing that God works sometimes? We have a desire to go one way. We have a desire to do one thing. But how many know that if we'll give up and let Jesus take over, he has a perfect will and attached to obedience is every blessing you will ever need to do everything he called you to do. Someone in here tonight, I need to tell you, you need to quit fighting with God about Asia and let it go. Come on. Anna told Elsa, let it go. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell them, let it go. Sometimes you want something and it looks good, but it ain't God. And there are far too many saints who are settling for good when God is trying to posture you for something that would blow your mind. I know that you don't feel as comfortable about Macedonia as you do about Asia, but God's got Asia under control and he needs somebody to come to a place where he can birth something in the earth that will shake a region. So Paul says, I'm not going to Asia. I'm following this Macedonia. That's where we get the term Macedonian call. I'm going to Macedonia. So he gets on a boat and he goes to Macedonia and he goes to this colony of Macedonia called Philippi. This is all in Acts chapter 15 and 16. He goes to this colony called Philippi. He gets to Philippi and he don't even really have any connections. He's looking for a Jewish synagogue 
and there is not one, which is interesting because what that means is that there were not at least 10 men in that Philippian colony that belonged to the Jewish religion. Any city where there were at least 10 Jewish men and families, then they would allow for a Jewish synagogue to be built. When it comes to Philippi, there is no Jewish synagogue because there's not even 10 Jewish men in the colony. What does that mean? There was very, very small God influence in Philippi. Well, why would God send Paul to a place where there weren't a bunch of Jewish people or even, we know there were no Christian people because Christianity was just being birthed. Why would God send Paul into a place where there was a very reduced uh, kingdom of God influence? I'll tell you why. That's where God always sends people. Oh, I'm going to say some stuff right here. You can't expect God to put all the preachers in all the safe places where all the lights are on and everybody's living holy and everybody's doing it right. God will send Christians into the middle of hell holes. Are you listening to me? Because Jesus did not just come to help people who needed a religious band-aid. Jesus came for the broke down, the mentally ill, the demon possessed, the worst of the worst. That's where the church is birthed. Why? Because in 1 John chapter 3 verse Verse 8, the Bible said, for this reason was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. It is just like God to call Paul to a dark city to turn the light on. But I want everybody to come to our church who's saved and acts, you know, decent. God is going to send some screwed up people to your church. It is illegal to ask God to send his power and everybody in the church be well and put together. Jesus didn't come Jesus didn't come for those that were healed. He came for those that were sick. I'm getting ready to preach something right here. I want to tell you there are two kind of people that God will always come looking for. Only two things in the entire Bible God ever went looking for. He came to seek and save that which is lost and he came to seek those who worship him in spirit and in truth, which means this. If you want God to keep coming to your church, keep sinners in the house and keep worshipers in the house. If you'll be a, you're either a worshiper or a sinner. If you'll keep worshiping, he'll keep showing up. If you keep inviting the broken, the dark, the lost, the messed up, the crazy, he'll keep showing up. Whatever you do, don't ever get everybody put together and whole and all right because I'm going to tell you right now, whenever you don't need God is when you won't have God. People all the time, well, Pastor Kevin, you down in the hood in Chattanooga. And at first it scared me to death and I thought, you know what, we got to have God. We No, for real, y'all. We got to have God. Always stay in a position, legacy. Always stay in a position where God wants to show up here. As long as people are hurting, he will show up. The lost, he will always show up. Worshiping, he will always show up. You ever find out what you're doing and act like you know how you got there? He don't have to come here anymore. Paul goes to a dark place. And he goes to the dark place because God sends him there. God sends him there to turn the light on. There is no synagogue, so he goes. Look at your Bible. It's in Acts 15. It's a beautiful story. This is how Philippi, the church at Philippi begins. He goes to the river. I love the Lord. 
He goes to the river and there are some sisters praying at the river. One of them happened to be a woman named Lydia who sold purple cloth. History tells us she was a wealthy woman. Paul doesn't even know where he's going. He only goes there because he has a vision in the night. Gets off a boat and starts looking for church people. Synagogue people. Can't find a synagogue so he goes down to the river. Why? Because because if you couldn't find a synagogue to pray, many times they would go to a riverside and have a prayer meeting. This isn't just some ambiguous thing. This is what happens in colonies where there were Jewish people who could not find a synagogue. They would meet by a river to pray. Lord, I wish I had time to preach about praying by the riverside. Because I don't know about you. I don't want to pray. I don't want to just pray in a desert. I don't want to pray in a dead place. I want to pray where I can see something with my natural eyes that is getting ready to happen in my spiritual heart. There's a river flowing. Come on, somebody. God is getting ready to do something in Philippi, and it might look small right now but don't despise the day of small beginnings God is getting ready to breathe on that thing that little prayer meeting that was happening by the river is getting ready to explode into a move of God now there's some people looking at me like why is he hollering I want to let you know why I'm hollering because I feel this thing in my spirit for legacy. No, you don't have to holler, but I'm telling you, I feel like hollering tonight, not because God is deaf, but because we have something to declare to this lost and dying world. Jesus is not just another God. The kingdom of God is not just another kingdom. The church is not just another social organization. This is the ecclesia, the plan and purpose of God in the earth, and he puts you here to change a city. So they start having a prayer meeting. He meets this woman named Lydia. He meets a few sisters there on the side of the river. And this is about to be the birth of the church of Philippi. Some sisters on the side of a river praying. And then in the 16th chapter, he's got these sisters and he and, he and Barnabas are, are there and they're having prayer meetings. And then this woman starts following him. This woman who kept saying this, these are servants of the most high God. These are servants of the Most High God. And the young lady actually was possessed with a spirit of divination. The word divination in the Greek is the Greek word pythos. It is where we get the word python. The woman has a demon spirit called Python living on the inside of her. I'm telling you how the church got born in Philippi. The church in Philippi was not born with a bunch of white-collar workers who had it all together. I'm thankful for all the people that got money, all the people that got Oh, yeah, I'm thankful for all the educated people. We, how many know we need everybody to build the kingdom of God? But when God got ready to build the church, he started with some sisters on the side of a river and a demon-possessed woman. Does that make sense to any church planners in here? And this woman followed Paul and Silas all day. And they everywhere they went, these are servants of the Most High God. These are servants of the Most High God. Finally, one day it grieved Paul. Because you can be saying the right things. Uh huh. But if your spirit is corrupt, then everybody who knows the corruption in that person will attach you to that corruption. And the Bible said he was grieved and he turned around and rebuked the spirit out of that woman. Now you've got to understand, she had a spirit of python and would she would fortune tell and, and palm read and she was full of demons. And when Paul rebuked the spirit out of that woman and delivered her from that spirit, immediately she stopped with her fortune telling 
and all the people who owned her, this is, this is trafficking. The woman was being trafficked. I feel like prophesying that in Rome, God is about to put some sex traffickers out of business and God is about to save some sex traffickers and God is about to heal this city of some secret sin that is going on. And Paul cast the devil out and the people who owned her got mad at Paul. So they took him to the town square and they beat him and they threw him in prison. I'm going to expedite this tonight. They threw him in a deep Philippian jail. While he is in a Philippian jail, he gets the notion to start a praise and worship service. He is chained up in the darkest part of a prison and the Bible says that at midnight, can I preach like I like to preach where I come from? At midnight, they began to sing praises unto God. One was praying, one was praising, one said hallelujah and the other one said hallelujah and by the time hallelujah come out of both of them, God started shaking the foundation of that prison and prison doors started flying open and God broke everything chain off of their hand because when you praise God it'll make foundations shake when you praise God it'll shift atmospheres when you bless the Lord something changes in this house you say I don't feel like praising God I didn't ask you how you feel I said if you'll praise him he will show up for I inhabit the praises of my people slap somebody tell them I will praise the Lord You can look at me funny if you want to. You can talk about me on the way to the car if you want to. But when I think about the goodness of God and all he's done for me, my soul will cry. Hallelujah. He praised God and at midnight, God shook the whole prison. Now watch this. I'm talking about how it began. Shook the whole prison and Paul and Silas and all the other prisoners, they break free. Because when you praise God, not only will your prison door open, it opens somebody else's. And the Bible says that a Philippian jailer, look at this, this is crazy. Say begun. Say it has begun. The Philippian jailer starts hollering out. Is anyone here? Anyone still alive? Paul said, don't take your life. Why would Paul say that? Because in the Philippian economy of security and the penal institution, if you let your prisoner escape, they would take your life for his. So the Philippian jailer sees all the Philippian jail doors broke open and a spirit of suicide comes on him. He said, I'm going to kill myself. Paul probably had just been beaten by the man. And now instead of wanting him to see him dead, how many know a true Christian says, don't kill yourself. You hurt me, but don't do no harm to yourself. (laughs) And the Philippian jailer doesn't kill himself. Watch this. He looks at Paul and said, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your whole house shall be saved. And he takes Paul home. And he washes the stripes and the wounds of Paul. And that Bible says that the jailer and his whole house got right with God, gave their hearts to Jesus. This is how the church 
at Philippi began. That was just an introduction. I didn't even come to talk about all that. That's how the church at Philippi began. It began with a woman who sold purple, some sisters on the side of a river praying, a demon-possessed girl who got delivered, and a Philippian jailer whose whole house got saved. And out of that experience, the church at Philippi is born. And Paul grabs a pen while he is still in a Roman jail. And he writes a letter to this church that God birthed by the Spirit. And he says to them, I want you to be confident of this very thing. Now in a day where there is so much trying to distract us, trying to rob us of our focus, trying to get our eyes on things that don't matter, I want you to know Paul knows how to narrow everything down to the main thing. And he says, I want you to have confidence about this very thing. Not 30 things, not 10 things, not five or even three, two. He said, I want you to be confident of, look at the Greek, it's there. This very thing. Be confident of this. Look at your neighbor say, you can't miss this. If they're sleeping, karate chop them. Just kidding. You can't miss this. This is where our confidence must be. Our confidence must be in the fact that whatever God begins, he will finish. Wait, it's where we stop usually until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, it's going to sound like the most depressing thing you've ever heard. But what God began here and in you personally and in this house corporately, take a big deep breath. I'm getting ready to blow your mind. It will never be finished until Jesus returns. There are three reasons, there are three things that this means, and I want to give you these three things and I'm going to get out of your hair or your toupee or your wig or whatever you wear. <laughs> Extensions, whatever, it doesn't matter. Weave, I pastor in the hood. We got weaves, come on, it's okay, it's all good. Right? It's good. There are three things this means. When the Bible says, being confident of this one thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until, everyone say until, until the day of Jesus Christ. That means there is a completion date already built into what he began. It is not one day before Jesus returns. What does this mean? It means three things. I'm going to give you these three things. You need to know this as an individual and as a corporate church. Please write this down. Not because I said it, but because it's true. Number one, the fact that it will not be completed until Jesus returns means, number one, you must learn how to celebrate progress. Why is this a big deal? Because we are geared to celebrate completion. Nobody, listen, y'all, I had one of those, um, oh, Lord, one of those playhouses for my kids a couple years ago. We, 
we built a playhouse from China. I love China. But somebody in China needs to learn how to put a manual together to build a playhouse. I can't find no help in the house of the Lord tonight. Okay. There were 17,000 pieces, 6,000 screws. And y'all looking at me like, well, you know, you could have brought it to my house. You're a lying wonder. You would have messed it up just like I did. It, I had pieces left over. My wife said, what is all that? I said, extras. <laughs> Go out there and shake it. It ain't going nowhere. I will never forget draping a sheet, a massive tarp, in fact, over the, the trees, behind the trees where I was erecting the, 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 the actual house, the little playhouse. I was building it behind this, this tarp so my babies wouldn't see it before Christmas Day. Had all these men from the church over there helping me, people getting in the flesh, chewing each other out, had to repent, had to kick people off my property and preach to them on Sunday morning. They was hollering at one another. We was all in the flesh. The devil's having a party. And we're out there putting that thing together. And at first it was just a bunch of pieces. And then I put the base together. And then I put one of the sides together. At no point in putting it together did I ever step back and say, y'all, we're halfway done. Why? Because you don't celebrate progress. We celebrate completion. This is where we miss the joy in the journey of serving Jesus. You've got to understand that when God says it will not be complete until the day of Jesus Christ, that means that there'll never be a time you can sit back and be like, we're done, y'all. Look at this finished product. Why? Because God says, I'm not going to let it be finished till I come back and get you. If he's not going to let it be completed until he returns, then that means you and I have to learn how to celebrate progress. Why in the world would we have a six-month celebration? Because we're here to celebrate progress. Why? Because most people can't make it six months. Not only are we in here, but y'all, the bills is paid. Can we praise God that we got lights on and sound? Look at somebody tell them, celebrate progress. Come on, you, let me preach to you individually for just a minute. Don't let anybody ever talk down to you because you're not what you're going to be. You ought to learn how to agree with the people who tell you you're not what you're going to be. Just look at them when they start hollering at you and talking about how messed up you are and start praising God. Dance in the middle of them haters and praise God that although you are not what you're going to be, you are not who you used to be. I'm making progress. Oh, Jesus. Oh, somebody about to make me get happy in here. Look over at your neighbor and tell the neighbor, I'm just making progress. I'm never going to be a completed version until I stand before the throne. But I can look back over my life right now and thank God that although I'm not what I'm going to be, I am not who I used to be. Can somebody offer him a praise? Celebrate progress. Celebrate another week. Celebrate another month. Celebrate another broken habit in your personal life. Well, you got so many skeletons in your closet. Yeah, but they're less today than they were five years ago. Look at somebody tell them, give me room. I'm just trying to make progress here. I know you, Sister Yay Yay, and you got all your ducks in a row, and we're so glad you're sanctified and you're here, but I'm just trying to make progress. Celebrate progress. 
Because there are times you'll look at what you're doing and you'll think, I'm not as far along as I should be. I preach in some pretty cool places. God's been real kind and gracious to open doors. I go places, I see people pastoring five, six, seven thousand, ten thousand people. You know, the enemy used to work on me because I got so much to be thankful for. But the enemy used to work on me and say, you know, you just, you, you got a lot of, you got a lot of catching up to do. And then it hit me one day. Who am I trying to catch? Who am I in a race with? I ain't racing you and them. I'm racing against myself. Oh, yeah, you better hear what I said. I said, I'm racing against myself. I'm not even racing the devil. He's already been defeated. I fight, I fight against him. Yeah, we got to overcome the wicked one. Yeah, absolutely. But we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. You've got to learn how to celebrate progress, church. Be thankful for the little breakthroughs. When God says, when Paul says of God, be confident of this very thing, that he who began it will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He puts a completion date on it, and it's not today or tomorrow or next month or next year. It is the day Jesus returns to the earth to take the church. Until that day, you're a work in process. So celebrate the progress. The second thing it means is this. Since it will not be finished until Jesus returns, Lord, let me say this right so we catch this, you must be willing to embrace the more of God. I'm going to explain it. Jesus, if he doesn't come tonight and he doesn't come this next week, you will come back to church. Y'all have midweek? No. You will come back to church Sunday next week and you will have church. And what is the challenge for people who are in this this thing that God has began? What What is the challenge? It's to embrace the more of God. Why? Because if God isn't finished, then no matter how great the service was, no matter how awesome the month was, no, no matter how incredible the miracle was, there is always more of God. You will never walk off this property and say, we've seen it all. Flip open your Bible to Revelation chapter 4. Let me give you some Bible to help you see it. How many okay? Everybody breathing? Everybody alive? Everybody got joy? Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 4. Verse number 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. Revelation 4, 8. And they do not rest day or night, saying what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and and is to what? Is to come. Is to what? Come. Now, we're in heaven. How many would agree Revelation chapter 4 is a picture of heaven? If you read the first part of Revelation chapter 4, you will find that Jesus called John up to see things that no other man had seen because he was going to put John in the spirit on the Lord's day to show him revelation of eternal worship and eternal glory. 
John is isolated and ostracized on an island called Patmos. He is by himself and on the Lord's day he is caught up by the Spirit to see things in the heavens. And when, when John is caught up in the heavens, your Bible says that he saw things going on that no man had ever seen. And what did he see? He saw angels, watch, circling the throne, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to. Now we are in heaven. And I thought that when we got to heaven, we will have seen everything there is to see and know everything there is to know. But John teaches us something about the person and the power and the revelation of God here that we must catch to bring back into our understanding. Even when we get to heaven, even when we step into eternity, he is the God that is still to come. Did you catch that? Well, I'm going to go put my feet in the river and I'm going to... No, you're not. Stop. You're going to behold a God whose glory is so vast and glorious that it will take eternity to reveal the totality of who he is. Have you ever st stopped for a moment to consider eternity? And then your mind goes crazy? And you feel like, what? I can't think about it. Why? Because you can't compute never ending. Do you understand that if you ever put an end on eternity, it ceases to be the vehicle that holds the revelation of who God is? Because the revelation of who God is is so huge and unfolding and never ending that it will take eternity to reveal the totality of his glory. Anytime you put an end on it, it's never the thing that will reveal the totality of the glory of God because his glory knows no end. If heaven can't hold the fullness of his glory, I know our two-hour worship service on Sunday morning can't either. Well, Brother Wallace, you know God has just blown my mind since I've been coming to Legacy. I've seen so many, so many wonderful miracles, so much power, so much glory. And I want to tell you, he ain't through yet. The challenge for people who've seen the glory is to embrace the more of God. And how could angels rotate and fly around the throne crying holy, 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 and all they do is cry holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Don't they get tired? No. Why? Because every revolution around the throne produces more revelation. As long as you keep your eyes on him, he will keep revealing himself about him that you've never seen before. It's that wonderful, it's that wonderful thing about the glory of God. It just keeps pulling you in. There's something more. There's something deeper. I've been serving him. Can I get a witness right here? I've been serving him for 20 years, but the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. There's something about him today that I saw that I didn't see yesterday. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't get bored with God. If you're bored with God, it's because you took religion, but you didn't take him. Because if angels can cry for eternity and never get wore out with it, I know that there's more of him for you to see, more of his glory for you to behold. Oh, tonight I declare even while we're in this room preaching and praising and worshiping, there are angels circling this place. Just like in Isaiah chapter 6, they're crying holy, holy, holy. Just like Revelation chapter 4, they're crying holy, holy, holy. And what I think heaven is looking for is someone on earth who agrees with the assessment of the angels. He is not just another 
another God. He is holy, holy, holy. The Lord God Almighty, strong in power, mighty in battle. Yahweh, the captain of the Lord's host. I'm telling you, this is a glorious God we serve. Not some puny, limp-wristed, anemic, broke-down God who needs help to wake up. He's not popping Prozac in some corner of the universe. He's not having a nervous breakdown as he considers the earth. When he sits upon the circle of the whole earth, he looks high and he looks low and he, he calls himself God and said, beside me there is no other. So because God's not going to finish this till Jesus comes, don't ever think you've seen it all. There is more of God. It should call you to believe deeper. And go further. And press for more. And the last thing that I'm through. Because God isn't going to finish this until. You can come help me on the piano, sweet lady. Because God isn't going to finish this until Jesus returns. This is what I wrote down. Failures will never be final. Tests and trials will never terminate you. And the enemy will never be your end. Because God is in a work in your life and in this house, your tests and trials will never terminate you. Your enemies will never be the end of you. And your failures will never be final. Well, Pastor Wallace... What about when we go through warfare? And what about when the church experiences a setback? It's just a test. It don't terminate you. What about when I go through a warfare and I got an enemy? It ain't the end of you. Why? Because God is going to finish what he started. And he'll keep working on it until Jesus returns. That's why you cannot give up in the middle of the sentence because he ain't finished yet. He's not through. Shane, he's not through. What about in my personal life, Pastor? When I have failures and I got some chapters I'm ashamed of and I got some stuff I did wrong. It feels like the end. God says, if you'll bring it to me, if you don't bring it to God, you may sign the end of your book. But if you'll bring your failure to God, it won't be final. Your failure don't have to be final. Your trial don't have to terminate you. Your enemy does not have to be the end of you. What you got to do is bring it back to the God who started the story who birthed this thing in you and in this room. Pastor Chase was talking to me this past week, 21 days of prayer, and lightning strike the building, and hell break loose. That's all you're moving in the right direction. How do I know this? Because it's how the enemy tries you. The devil is always God's devil. You better praise God for that, whether you understand it or not. The devil is always God's devil. He'll show up, and if God let him show up, it's because God had a plan to use him for his 
God's own glory. That's why Paul could say, no weapon. What was that? The Holy Ghost. No weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angel, nor thing present, nor thing to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature, famine, parrot, nakedness, sword, none of these things shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I came to tell you tonight that what God started in you is precious to heaven. Heaven saw the day you were born again. Heaven saw the day this house was birthed. Heaven saw the day it all started. And heaven said, ha, the master has begun another masterpiece again. Now chapters where it looks like hell is breaking loose. There are chapters where it looked like the enemy would win. But he's still working on me. To make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Um, yes, Lord. I feel like the Lord wants to heal somebody's shoulder. Do you have a shoulder? Is there someone in here who has shoulder pain? You need God to, yes, ma'am. Would you come stand here? I don't want to embarrass you, sweet lady, but I just want to pray. In worship tonight, God said, I want to heal someone's shoulder. I just want to pray for your shoulder. Which shoulder is it? Your left? What's your name? Teresa. What happened to your shoulder? Okay. Lord, I want to anoint you with oil because James said, let the elders anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they've committed sins, it will be forgiven them. So tonight I lay my hands on her, God, this sweet lady in obedience to your voice speaking to me. I command that shoulder to be healed now in Jesus' name. The chronic pain that is a result of the pacemaker has to go from her now. In Jesus' name, healer, by the power of the Holy Ghost, lift your hands. Is there anyone else with a shoulder? I don't want to miss anybody with a shoulder while I'm feeling faith to pray. Come stand here, sir, please. I don't want to embarrass anyone. Can you lift your hands and worship? Come on. Can you just lift your hands and worship him? Can you just start speaking praise to him that he started something? Can you just thank him for the day he started it in your life, for he started it in this house? What shoulder, sir? Your right shoulder. What happened? I injured it seven years ago. Well, the Lord's going to put it back together tonight. He loves you. You know that? You know Jesus loves you. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name and that shoulder. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Anyone else? In, just a shoulder. Just a shoulder before we pray any for anything else. I got to obey God. I'm thankful for the Lord's voice. Amen. Everyone stand with me. Everyone stand with me. Jesus. 
Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, what do you want to do tonight? We wanted you to do what you want to do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, just lift your voice for a moment. I'm waiting on him. There's something going to happen in this room tonight. He's here. He's here. I feel his spirit. Do you sense the spirit of God in this room right now? Can you lift your hands if you sense God's spirit working? Her daughter. Really? What's your baby girl's name? How old is Claire? And is it her right or left shoulder? Both. Well, he can do both. So first of all, I want to tell you about the power of servanthood. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the prophet hears a sound of the abundance of rain. But it is not the prophet who saw the rain. It was the servant of the prophet who saw the cloud the size of a man's hand. And I want to tell you something. I feel like I need to release this over you. You keep serving because you love God. And this man and woman of God keep saying, the rain's coming, the rain's coming. They hear it, but God's going to show it to you. And I'm going to pray for sweet Claire tonight that the Lord heals both of her shoulders. In Jesus' name, I command the pain to leave both shoulders by the power of God now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, go from that sweet 14-year-old precious baby. I command the pain to get out of her body now. God, I feel the Lord healing now. Do it tonight, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Keep serving, sweet lady. He's going to bless you with the rain. The rain's coming to your house. The rain. In fact, I feel that right now. Can you lift your hands if you want the precious rain of God's Holy Spirit to come just rain on your house. Throw your, I need him. Heaven wants to know that you want rain to come to your house. Just throw your hands up right now and start asking God to rain on your address. Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Feeling better, young lady? Are we feeling a little better? Yes, yes. Okay, praise God. Praise God. Lord, you see every hand in the air right now. Rain on it. Rain on it. Rain on it. Rain on it. Hallelujah. 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 Just give some more, some more music right there. We're going to worship for just a moment. There, there's some people in this room right now. The Lord, like oil, is oiling your heart. There's some hard hearts. There's a few people in this place that the love of God is just massaging your heart right now. I feel some heels melting like wax in the presence of the Lord. I feel some heels melt, melting like wax in the if yes, yes, Lord. If you're in this room right now, everybody, you can put your hands down for just a moment. If you're in this room right now, and you would say, Pastor Kevin, I need to get right with God. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I need to get right with God. My heart, I need my heart to just be totally Jesus's tonight. I want to give him my whole life tonight. And I, want, I don't want to hold anything else back for another day. I want to give it all to him right now. I'm not going to live another day with a heart like this. I want to come to God and give him everything. When I say three, shoot your hand up. I don't care if you've ever been to church or never been to church. If you've ever given your life to God or never given your life to God. If you're away from God, who cares if we've ever known him? Tonight is the night to come back to him. And if you've never known him, tonight is the night to give it all to him. I'm counting to three. This is the night the Lord's love is going to rush over your soul and wash every 
single sin away. He'll never bring it back up again. And you're going to leave here free by the love of God, forgiven by the blood of Jesus, washed and made clean by the power of God's spirit. If I'm talking to you and I say three, throw your hand up and don't wait another night. Jesus is coming tonight to save you. He's coming tonight to rescue you. One, two, three, throw your hand up. If your hand is up, praise God. You can put it down. Everyone look at me right now. Everyone look at me right now. You can put your hand down. Here's how I like to do this. I just feel like it's something God told me to do. I want you to look at the person on your left and on your right in just a moment. I don't care if you've known them your whole life or you've never met them before this service. I want you to look at them in just a moment. I want you to ask them this question. Do you need someone to go pray with you at the altar? If you lifted your hand or you know you should have, when that neighbor asks you if you need someone to go with you, take them by the hand, shake your head, yes, come meet me right here. Jesus is going to save your life tonight. Hurry. Ask the person next to you right now. If you lifted your hand, don't wait. Don't lie. Come on. I want to give my heart to Jesus. People are coming. People are coming. Come on. All the way down the middle. Come on. They're coming all the way down the middle. Come on. It's the night. It's the night. It's the night. It's the night. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow's not the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's not the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Can I find somebody to help me praise the Lord? Someone help me praise God. Anybody else? I'm waiting. Stretch your hands toward the altar right now. Everyone that have come to pray to get right with God. I want you to know this right now, real soft. A couple things you got to know. The reason you're standing in this altar is some, somebody knocked on the heart door. And God started talking to you. And that's the greatest act of love that God could ever demonstrate to you. That he don't want you to keep living without him. The fact that you moved is another great sign. It's a yes in your heart to Jesus. And the third thing I want to tell you is the promise that because he knocked and you let him in, tonight he's coming in and he's going to change you from the inside out. So I want everyone that came to this altar to pray with me this way. Dear God, open your mouth and pray it out of your mouth. They don't have to be loud, but it has to be spoken. Say, dear God. In fact, the whole church, pray it with me. Just lay hands on your heart and say, I need you, Jesus. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to wash me. I need you to make me new. I'm asking Holy Spirit that you come live in my life. Tonight, I'm turning my back on my past and I'm turning my heart toward the living God. Save me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Make me new tonight. I want every chain broken. Say that out of your mouth. I want every chain broken. I renounce my sin. I renounce every addiction. I renounce everything that I have done that opposes God. And tonight, I give you my whole heart, now and forever, in Jesus' name. Shout all over this church and help me praise God right now. Take it all. Come on. Come on, not just because they walked down here, but because they're leaving different. Somebody praise the Lord. Angels are rejoicing. Heaven is celebrating. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
Dalton, how old are you? 25. You know Dalton? It's your husband. You go to church? You do? Dalton, God's got a plan for your life, young man. Will you lift your hands to God? I know this sounds weird, a little different to you. But the Father has been touching your heart, been leading you to a moment like this for some time. You knew God and you've heard of God, but you wandered away from God. I'm going to tell you what James chapter 5, verse 19 through 21 says. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, wonder from the truth, and someone turns them back to the truth, let the one know who turned the brother who was wondering back toward the truth that he saved his soul from death and covered a multitude of sins. Dalton, I am anointed right now to tell you every sin is under the blood of Jesus. Loose him. Loose him. And every dark demonic power that tried to destroy your life, I break off of you in the name of Jesus. Loose him. Loose this man. Loose him and let him go. Oh, I call you out of it. Hallelujah. Come here, stand right here. Come here. Come here, lift your hands. Lift your hands, sweetheart. Father, in this house, send the glory. Come here, young man, lift your hands. What's your name? Christopher, what happened to you? What just happened? Yeah, talk to me. Yeah. got better. What's your name? Christopher, lift your hands as high as you can. There is about to be a wave of the love of Jesus. It's about to crash on you. And it's about to wash the pain and bitterness out and the pain the enemy put in there was to drive you away from God, but the tears that you're crying now are gonna pull you close to the heart of God, and he's about to talk to you in ways you, that's him, my God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. It's okay, it's okay, you don't have to fall. You don't have to fall, what's your name? Amber, you love Jesus? You with her? Come here, stand with me. Barnsley, I play golf there. You work there? Really? You work on the golf course? On the grounds. Well, you got some beautiful grounds there. Why'd you come down tonight? Yeah? You got lost? Well, listen. When somebody gets lost and they know God, there's a lot of people that tell you God beat you up and cast you to hell. But I don't tell you that because that ain't what the Bible told me to tell you. The Bible said it's the goodness of God that'll lead a woman to repentance. And look at me, sweet girl. I want you to know this tonight. Jesus loves you. Now, he hates divorce, but he loves you. 
You understand that? And I want you to know that the shame and the guilt and the pain and the feeling on the inside is getting ready to be washed away by a crashing wave of the love of God. So I pray for you. What was your name? I pray for Amber right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm asking you, God, to surround her, saturate her, and take her completely under in the love of God. Oh, Amber, let him, baby. Whatever he wants to do, bless her tonight. It's okay, sweetie. You don't have to fall. You stand right there and catch every bit of this. Lord, I pray for her that a wave of the love and the goodness of Jesus come on her now. <laughs> I'm asking you, God, just to take her Take her deeper than she's, uh, Amber, you're getting ready to go in the deep end of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. And I declare that chapter just came to an end and a new chapter's being written. And it's a chapter called Grace. It's a chapter called Restoration. It's a chapter called Mercy. Bless my friend tonight, Lord. Bless him in Jesus. Lift your hands, buddy. Lift your hands. Jesus, what was your name? Brian. Lord, thank you for Brian. I bless him tonight because you're good to Brian. And from a little child, you protected him a number of times in his life. Times he should have died. You know what I'm talking about, Brian. The Lord protected you and the Lord kept you. Lord, I thank you for watching over him, ordering his steps. You're not through with this young man. In fact, God, you're just getting started. I speak life over him in Jesus' name. And I break every lie of defeat off of his mind. He is not defeated. He is not overcome. He's going to be more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, that you're coming to his whole family. I bless his family in the name of Jesus. I bless his family right now in the name of Jesus. Turn it around, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. I'm almost through. Lift your hands all over this room right now. If you need healing in your body, I want you to lift your hands up in a receiving position like this. Just a receiving position like this. If you need healing, what you need, sweetheart? What's up with it? Yeah. Father, I pray for this dear, what's his name? Chuck. I pray for Chuck in Jesus' name. I rebuke the demon spirits that are tormenting his mind. I command them to leave him now, to go from him now. Loose Chuck in Jesus' name. I command peace to come up on his mind. And I thank you, Father, that the king's table is a good place to hide the feet of Mephibosheth. And tonight, God, I pray you'll pull him up to the table. And I pray in the presence of his enemies, you will bless Chuck, Jesus. Do it tonight in Jesus' name. If your hands are up in a receiving position for healing, I want to pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray for every person, God. Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing power. Nothing is impossible for you, God. We trust you now, Lord. Heal our dear sister in Jesus' name. We trust you now, God. Heal our dear sister you love. Sweet girl, I feel like I need to tell you God is in love with you. 
His love is over your life. His banner over you is love. His banner over you is love. Jesus, Jesus, I worship you. Healing Jesus, I worship you. Come on, just lift your voice in prayer for a few moments here. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. He's a good God, Mama. He's a good God, Mama. Jesus, we thank you. He's a good God. Sweet girl, are you asking for healing? Who needs healing? I, I don't want to miss something. You need healing. Who needs healing? Jesus. If you need healing, come stand right here. Come stand right here. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Pastor Sarah, come lay your hand on her chest. I lay my hand on this hand. I rebuke the pain that has returned to this heart. I command every vessel, artery, ventricle, every part of the pumping. I command the pain to go now in the name of Jesus. I pray now, God, you'll make the heart whole. There, thank you. There, thank you. Make the heart whole. No pain. Anyone else who needs prayer? Come here, sweet girl. Come here, Jesus, we love you. Come on, lift your hands, church. The Lord Jesus is with us. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. What's her name? Lord, I was reminded today as the man of God preached in my house this morning that you never entered the house of the centurion to heal his son. Your word says that you spoke the word and by the time he got back home, the boy was healed. Father, I pray for this precious baby girl now and I speak the word of God over her blood. Be healed in Jesus' name. And while she is wherever she is, may the power of God surge through her body and heal it. And by the report, I pray God that the doctor's report will reveal that that condition is gone from her body in Jesus' name. What can we pray about, sweet girl? Your arm. Which arm? Left arm. Jesus. I pray right now, God, you heal it. Is it in pain? Jesus. Jesus, heal her of this pain. I command it to go from your body now. The pain has to depart from your body right now. Oh. Shatabe katos batabansaya. Predidoshketaya. Lord, let her do something with that arm she hadn't been able to do. Let the pain go. Let the lockup go. Let the pain release. I pray the power of God on her now. In the name of Jesus. There he is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do something, sweet girl, you couldn't do a moment ago. Hallelujah. Lord, what's your name? Bobby, Lord, Bobby needs a miracle in his body and he needs a miracle financially. And I thank you that restoration is coming to body, Bobby now in his body and his life in the name of Jesus. Do it. Ah, yes, Lord, do it. You do it, God. You do it. You do it, God. You do it. Jesus. Be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Fresh 
Yes, Lord. Thank you for healing her body right now. Strength. We move from strength to strength. Jesus. 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 What you need, sweetheart? Lord. Lord, heal her of these headaches. To the God who heals all headaches, I ask you to heal her headache now and touch her home. In Jesus' name, heal. No more headaches in Jesus' name. No more headaches in Jesus' name. What you need, sweetheart? Yes, yes. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, there. I felt God touch her right then. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we lift our hands? Pastor's coming. I'm not, I'm not going to say or do anything else. But can we all lift our hands and thank God for the move of His Spirit in this room right now? Come on. Come on. Fire, blow 